0: Welcome to We Look Shit Up,
1: a twice-weekly podcast where we channel our obsessive personalities and our love of TV and movies and share the interesting trivia we find with you.
0: This is Kevin Schwaller. This is Rachel Schwaller. And thank you for joining us here today.
1: Hello, and thank you for being here.
0: So, this podcast is all about finding interesting trivia, exciting things... Great stories, inspiring stories, other things, cool (laughs) things, blue things. Uh, Redfish, (laughs) bluefish. It's all about finding (laughs) facts and trivia and stories about our favorite TV shows and
1: movies. Yep. Um, And if you're new here, I'll just let you know this is not a review show. Uh, This isn't like a going deep into the plot show. We're not breaking down movies in that way we're kind of just talking about things that we find online like the stories behind the stories we're
0: not perfect there is a possibility we might say something incorrectly if we do please let us know and we will have all of our sources that we do thoroughly look all this up if we make a mistake let us know but we're gonna have all our info in the footnotes
1: yep um and just heads up spoiler alert Even though this isn't a review show and we're not going super deep into things, we are going deep enough that if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know what happens, we will spoil it. Yeah. So just be prepared. If you've seen it, sweet. If not, and you're okay with it, you're okay with it. But if not, also, (laughs) this week we're doing ones that are just specifically on Netflix. So you can go on Netflix and watch it and then come back to us if you want.
0: So our last episode was about the Cloverfield Paradox. Yep. This one, we're doing bright, bright. all Netflix yep. releases. So Rachel, I've got some uh, relevant shit for you.
1: Tell me that shit. Okay.
0: So a Netflix original, if you didn't know, okay. is content produced, co-produced, or distributed exclusively on the Netflix services. Okay. So if you're wondering, you know, what makes it an original and what not when getting on Netflix,
1: that's, what that's it the is.
0: dealio. All right. Um, right. First Netflix original, do you know which one it was? I Tell guess me. you do. have <laughs> I mean, I, I I of Cards, February 2013. <laughs> All right. And Netflix, though, has said that Orange and the New Black is the most watched original series oh. that it has produced. Um, in October 2017, Netflix announced a goal of having half of its library consist of original content by 2019. Wow. Getting close. Yeah. And a plan to invest $8 billion with a B-B-E. On original content in 2018, this year, focusing specifically on movies and anime.
1: Wow! So we can, like, we're gonna see a lot more original stuff coming soon, I guess.
0: Well, you look at uh, Cloverfield; they spent 50 million there, so check that off. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see what else. All right. Not quite to that 8 billion, though. No, so, yeah, there's crazy. still
1: some wiggle room. So, yeah, like we said, we
0: are doing, uh, we did Cloverfield Paradox, and now we're moving on to Bright.
1: Bright, which is a movie that I am really excited <laughs> to talk about. You
0: were so excited before this movie came
1: out. I was. I was very excited to see this movie. So, I guess I'll just go into it. Bright, there are a few reasons why I was really interested in it. Uh-huh. Um, one of them was the fact that it was promoted as this like high budget blockbuster style movie that was coming out exclusively for distribution on Netflix, which is just cool. It's just crazy. Um, and bright is pretty much a mashup of like Lord of the Rings, world of Warcraft (laughs) and die hard, AKA it's absolute heaven for me. Those are like (laughs) the perfect, I love it. So, um, there is so much stuff that happens in this movie and you should go see it again. It's on Netflix. Um, it is worth seeing. If it in any way interests you. So I guess I'll, yeah. I'll let you know the a little synopsis, huh? Yeah,
0: no, that sounds good.
1: You got big old eyes like you have something to say. Nope. No, just he's just eager for them facts. I'm <laughs> eager for
0: them facts. Okay,
1: so the movie takes place in this alternate version of Earth where humans exist alongside elves and orcs and fairies and other magical creatures. Will Smith plays a police officer with the LAPD named Ward, and he's assigned to be partners with the very first orcish cop. And his name is Jacoby, and he's played by Joel Edgerton, who is also in Red Sparrow. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I think he's also in Gringo, which we talked about a little bit last week. Um, yeah. So the movie starts out with Ward being shot on the streets by an orc while um, him and his partner are, like, stopping to pick up food in the middle of the day. So he's shot. Jacoby pursues the shooter but is unable to go apprehend him, leading the leadership at the LPD to suspect that Jacoby let the shooter escape because he's an orc. So Ward recovers and then rejoins his partner on the street but suspects that Jacobi may have let the orc shooter escape. So pretty much there's a lot of distrust and tension on the one-on-one level and on the universal racial level between humans and orcs and mm-hmm. orcs and elves and humans and elves and all, all sorts of chaos. Anyway... One night, Jacoby and Ward respond to a call and end up at a dilapidated old house full of just, like, smoldering bodies and clear evidence of magic use. Um, they apprehend a panicked young elf woman and discover that she has a magic wand, which, as they say in the movie, is pretty much a nuclear weapon that grants wishes. Um, I, won't, I won't go too much into it because there's just so much Um, but let's just say that our new trio goes on an epic dangerous adventure where they learn the power of magic and dare I say the power of friendship
0: oh (laughs) that that wasn't pre-planned at all
1: no 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 (laughs) yeah the reason I was excited about this is because I'm just so into the concept of this mashup of worlds this Mm -hmm. these two worlds that don't exist side by side and this imagining of this other universe where yeah, all of these different creatures exist where we take that Lord of the Rings-style thing, but then we combine it with the current tensions. And, um, I mean, it, it is sort of a post, post-dystopian-style world yeah. that they're in where things are not the way that they are now.
0: I was really excited because I like Men in Black. The original Men in Black. I was a really <laughs> big fan of it. Will Smith, aliens. He's like law enforcement kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. So boom.
1: It's similar. <laughs> yeah, so development and production of this movie... In 2016, they took the script out and they were shopping it around and there was a bidding war between some big production houses and Netflix One paying $90 million for the film. Uh, Three million of that went to just the writer, Max Landis, which is one of the largest payouts for a writer in years. Hmm. Um, and as of its release, it was the most expensive Netflix film to date wow wow indeed it's just and and as we'll go deeper into this it's just it's really interesting what their what their goals are because they're so different than a normal studio that's trying to get those box office numbers and that kind of thing um so here's a tie-in to one of our older episodes (laughs) i guess our first episode Um, The plot and story for this movie were first revealed during a live recording of Camille Nanjiani and Emily Gordon's podcast, Indoor Yep. while promoting American Ultra in 2015. Wow. I know. So there's a little... Yeah, a
0: little tie-in. Yeah. Uh,
1: So in an interview with the director, David Ayer, here's a few things he said. The first cut of this movie... um, Like the first edit of it was three and a half hours long. That
0: would have been a little too long, I think. Yeah.
1: So the end movie ended up being an hour and 57 minutes. And he said that that was the time that, you know, that was the cut that he was the most happy with, which is good because that's the one that they did. Um, So I don't know if you remember, but in the movie, there's an establishing shot outside at night. And we've got L.A. at night. And in the sky, all of a sudden, there's a dragon. And that's it. Like we don't see the dragon again The dragon doesn't come up at all There's yeah, just, just this like, dragon Look
0: at this world There's dragons in this world
1: Exactly And so one of the interviews that I watched I think it was Collider as well
0: it Was like Daenerys Targaryen did a flyby
1: Exactly That's exactly it <laughs> It's all This is all just Game of Thrones Game of Thrones in Los Angeles uh, Fake facts That's not true <laughs> No not at all <laughs> um, So that's the only time you see a dragon And in this interview with the director They asked like why Why What was the deal and he said pretty much they just wanted to provide a peek into the larger world. So so just by seeing that dragon, you're, like you said, you're getting... You know it. there's
0: a lot going on.
1: Exactly. That there's more that you're not seeing. And that I think that was also one of my favorite things, too, is that it was this crossover. But it was, to me, very casual about it. And I've definitely seen reviews that say otherwise. And we will get into the reception of this movie later. As you guys can tell... I loved this movie <laughs> and it's totally my jam.
0: Oh yeah. We watched it the day it came out.
1: Oh yeah. And I cried like during the intro because I'm so excited. <laughs> I also cried inappropriate times and mostly at the beginning of movies, pretty much any, any movie that I'm excited to see. I'll cry. Greatest showman. Cried. Wept. <laughs> um, okay. So at San Diego Comic-Con during a press conference last year, the director again, and David Ayer, who is the director, is also the director of Suicide Squad. He said that the biggest difference between directing a movie for Netflix release as opposed to theatrical release with the, was that they had a lot more freedom and creativity, which I feel like was something that they said when we did the Ozark episode. Yeah, I think
0: I read about that with um, Narcos and some of the other shows, yeah. too, where people were just asked, what's it like working with Netflix? And they say that it one of the biggest differences is just that. Netflix is like, we know you have the right people. Just make it great.
1: Yep. So... Again, I feel like that all kind of ties into Netflix overarching what their goal is in creating original content, which I will talk about. (laughs) Um, So producer Eric Newman said that the biggest difference that was made in the movie as opposed to like if they had made the movie for theatrical release through a studio, the rating would have been different. Hmm. So on Netflix right now, it's an R-rated movie. And had they done studio release, studio theatrical release, it probably would have been PG-13. Hmm. Because they said that's usually the sweet spot for these kind of movies because it's the highest financial return because you have the most potential audience. So you get teenagers in there, you get adults, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Will Smith talked about the effect of the Netflix strategy, which is part of what I was talking about that I find interesting, which is Netflix, if you go on to Netflix right now and watch a movie you don't like, are you going to cancel your Netflix Netflix subscription? No. No, of course you're not. And that's their thing. They're like, we, we don't really risk losing our audience. We only have the possibility of gaining more people by having this more exclusive original content. Yeah. And so that's their thing is you're really not going to lose a ton of money because they have this built-in audience. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And this part I thought was interesting as well, which is that Netflix also knew because of their internal analytics that their viewers loved specific movies so they already knew that the people who were on Netflix liked Will Smith and they already knew that the people who were on Netflix liked fantasy action movies so that they they knew that their specific audience that they were targeting would like this movie which shows the disparity between when you look at the critical response versus the audience response I think that is reflected in there as well Hmm. because Netflix is not targeting that big studio and or the the big theatrical audience, because they're literally targeting the people that they're tracking and they're making the kind of content or they're trying to make the kind of content that they're going to want.
0: Yeah. No, I I just think that's really interesting to think about like everything you do on Netflix, they're getting all that data. Yeah. And I can just imagine them sitting in a boardroom being like, okay, we need people like pineapples and pot and something else, Pineapple Express too. Because that go. movie was all about pineapples. Yep.
1: <laughs> and that I think too, as a Netflix user, I'm down with it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, use use all the information and make things tailored to me. Please. Legally
0: blonde in space, sign Rachel up. I am into
1: it. <laughs> Legally blonde in space with elves. Done. <laughs> um, so it was released on Netflix worldwide on December twenty second, twenty seventeen, which as you remember was a Friday and we watched it. <laughs> Was Date very night. excited. Yep. We watched it the day it came out. Netflix Vice President of UI says that Netflix has learned that as opposed to traditional movie marketing, which is the trailers, the teasers, the interviews, the billboards, all of that, the best way Netflix has found to promote its own content is by promoting it on Netflix itself. So they focused on users that they thought would be most interested in the movie based on their viewing history. So they focused on users that they thought would be most interested in the movie based on their viewing history. Mm -hmm. Um, And even based on the information that they have, they would determine which version of the artwork would be most effective for like, which user? That's crazy. I know. Which I think we've noticed before where we're like...
0: I've noticed sometimes the artwork changes. Yeah. And I'm like, why? And this doesn't even look like... This is a weird clip.
1: Yeah, and we've wondered. We're like, why Why did they pick that one? So they're trying to target us, but they're confused because we share Netflix's. <laughs> um, so, for example, someone who watches a lot of fantasy shows might get a bright thumbnail that features Lucy Fry's elf character while fans of... David Ayer may see one that was emphasizing Will Smith and like Edgerton's character. Buddy
0: characters. Cop movies. Yes. yeah,
1: In their LAPD uniforms. So ours, I went and checked, is Ward and Jacoby looking all police-y. That's what our thumbnail Interesting. is.
0: Interesting. Yeah. It's um, all that true crime.
1: It is. It's, yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact that I have that fantasy in me, I don't watch it very much. Yeah. Not on Netflix. Um, So they did the same things with the trailers as well. So they had different cuts of the trailers that they targeted for different Wow, on Netflix. That's so cool. I know. And they've also said that they're playing the long game. Like there is no success end date like box office numbers. Their goal, and like you said in your trivia even, is to create more original content and to have that be part of the reason why people are coming. And the Netflix algorithm is constantly monitoring people's viewing habits and then continuing to recommend its own content based on that. So you can not be the person that they targeted when Bright came out but now you've started looking at things that they think, oh, you'll like Bright. And so they'll start recommending that to you. And what's interesting, too, is I'm, like, I'm totally susceptible to this kind of stuff. <laughs> like, It works on me so well. And I'll usually go click and watch it. So,
0: Well, yeah, I, I remember the Netflix, just the banners they yeah. have at the top, especially when they're the video ones. I'll constantly stop because Netflix is also brought that trust i really liked house of cards when it came out i watched the first season or two of orange is the new black yeah um
1: narcos narcos
0: ozark some of their documentaries things like that and so i'm like oh they're i I, i've watched some things that have missed as well that i wasn't a huge fan of but in general kind of like an hbo which i'm sure they'd be happy to be lumped in with it They're producing quality programs Yeah Like I don't like all of them But if Netflix is recommending A Netflix original I'm going to want to At least check it out
1: Yeah And they did Because I feel like They started So they started Creating their own content In 2013 Uh huh but they've also been exclusively distributing a lot of stuff, which is why I think it's interesting to know what what is considered a Netflix original. Because like making a murder is a Netflix original, but making but like Netflix didn't come up with the idea and have them go shoot it; they just got that exclusive streaming rights. Yeah. So I feel like they're also doing a good job of targeting things that are already out there at festivals and that kind of thing and picking them up. Or um, well,
0: yeah. the Cloverfield paradox—they yeah. had nothing to do with until the final stages.
1: Yep. So we'll talk about another part of this that I think is really interesting okay which is the reception to the movie (laughs) um critics I don't know if you know this hated this movie
0: yes I do know that I almost like the early reviews made me almost not want to watch it
1: I it, it didn't really deter me seeing the early reviews because I already knew that I really wanted to see the movie and I was really excited about it and um I've loved movies in the past that critics hated. Like mm-hmm. The Other Woman is one of my favorite movies. It doesn't have great critic reviews. So I know that critic reviews, and my opinion, don't always line up anyway. Mm-hmm. So it got a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ugh. Yeah. So it's it was rotten. Like 10%
0: to higher than Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and oh my God, people were so mean in these articles too. Really? Oh, they called in one of them, they called it a steaming pile of orc shit.
0: Wow. Yeah. And that's I was low. like, that's
1: really personal. Like, that's not even just. And I, again, I loved the movie. Is it perfect? No. Not at all. No. And there are definitely things that I could look at and say, oh, it might be better if they did this or whatever. Did I enjoy it? Hell Heck yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Am I excited to watch more? Because they definitely set it up. It, it does not have a, a definite end to that movie. Am I into the whole universe? Do I listen to the soundtrack on repeat? All of the above. I love it.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, I feel like there were a lot of people that just had an impression and were looking for things to pick out to be like, oh, this is why I don't like that movie. Uh-huh. Especially when it comes to looking at it like a social commentary or things like that. Like, yeah. I don't know if you saw. I think there were a lot of people that hated that, like he beat up the fairy or yeah.
1: whatever. Yeah. Um. Fairy lives don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It. It. I think it. Again, not a review show. But yeah. I do think it, it did try to tackle A lot of different things That it's difficult to Effectively do that many things in one movie Yeah um,
0: I don't know I enjoyed it though oh, overall yeah. oh, I yeah. thought it was good again it doesn't make it into My like one of my favorite movies No for me but I Really liked it
1: and I think part of the reason For me still that it's one of my favorites is It's unique distribution it's unique Production um, that Really interesting meshing of worlds All of those things oh yeah Um, So audiences did enjoy it a lot more though Oh really? It got an 85% Rotten Tomatoes audience score Okay, um, well there
0: you go So there is something to be said of Netflix research It sounds like
1: Yeah, Netflix claimed And like you said in your last one Netflix doesn't have all of its numbers out And available for people the same way Nielsen And that kind of other You can't really track it As an individual outside of the Netflix company We can't go look at it However Netflix has said that it's been viewed more or had been viewed more in its first week than any of its other releases. Hmm. According to Nielsen ratings, 11 million American viewers streamed the movie in its first three days. Yeah. What's interesting about that, too, is Nielsen ratings only apply to streams that happen on a TV. So if if you watched it like we watched it on my laptop, that doesn't count.
0: The only question I have with that is because Nielsen has a lot of like calculations that they do. Uh Uh-huh. Is is that we counted 11 million or is that we counted 1 million and based on our formula we think 11 million people watched it
1: I don't know the answer to that Yeah We'll have to look that up Show notes Um, But yeah so we were one of those first three days we were in that number
0: I also think the the deal with Netflix and their shows and their research kind of ties into what's going on with just Hollywood in general We just looked up after the Oscars Yep that we we looked up the highest grossing movies of 2017. Yeah. And it took until we got down to like, I don't even remember which movie it was, but like it was 14, 14 yeah. on the list before you got to a Best Picture nominee.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was maybe Dunkirk or Darkest Hour, one of those yeah. big, mm-hmm. big ones. So I did a little basic Rachel math. Rachel math? Yeah. This is just for perspective, and it's purely just imagining that of all of those 11 million American viewers, every one of those, and no more, no less, would have gone to the box office that weekend, right? Okay. And of course, we can't assume that, because like you said, all we did was pull it up on my laptop. But if those 11 million American viewers went to the theater the weekend this came out and paid an average of $12 per ticket, it would have made $132 million that weekend. Which
0: is actually, I mean, it's good. But twelve dollars is also high for a ticket.
1: I, I mean, if we're going to Alamo Drafthouse,
0: <laughs> Alamo was like ten.
1: Oh, well, hey,
0: I could be off with of my numbers.
1: Who knows? Yeah, we don't knows. go to the movies. Nobody enough. knows. Nobody knows. It's all made up. But just to say that they would have made a profit, and if you take into the fact that they didn't use those traditional marketing techniques that you use for a big box so they office save money. thing, yeah, yeah, there's that. Obviously, there's no way to get an accurate number. But that was just kind of for fun. Joel Edgerton who plays Jacobi did the same kind of fun math that I did and came up with a hundred million dollar opening weekend. So, okay,
0: so that pays for itself in its opening weekend.
1: Exactly. And Edgerton says that he thinks that the critics were especially harsh on this movie because this movie is kind of challenging and changing the movie making and distribution landscape. It's an interesting thought. I don't know how effective it is because movie critics, movie critics are not Fox studio producers. You know, I can't I can't imagine that they have much to gain by continuing to support the traditional movie landscape. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. But that's what he said. So, OK, um, I do know that it seemed like there was some people were kind of prepared not to like this movie. Critics, I mean. Yeah. So it will forever be a mystery.
0: <laughs>
1: Here's some interesting bit of controversy. Oh, Max Landis the screenwriter, uh-huh. was accused by several women on Twitter in December of 2017 of sexual assault. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, before these accusations, he'd also been known to make some sort of controversial statements. Okay. In interviews and things like that. Huh. But the, the problem is I couldn't find a lot of specific information about the accusations. Literally all I saw were articles that said women on Twitter. And then you accused went... accused him. Yeah, and then you can see the tweets, but there was nothing... Formal, nothing official, no hmm. you know, he was never taken to court or or anything. There there was nothing like that. So I who knows?
0: Yeah, do you know what happened at all? No. Anything? No. Okay. Nothing.
1: Just just um literally just that. And hmm. and no one really talked about it again after it happened. So
0: it kinda seems like it was part of the whole, you know, just like Me Too movement yeah. and exposing like there there was there still is a push to make sure that those kinds of things don't go unnoticed. Yeah. And so that it's no longer, so that it doesn't become accepted in the industry and brushed over and all those things. There's really just a bringing a light to those things. And it seems like that is kind of what happened there is that women came forward. It's not necessarily like they were trying to press charges, but it was, this is not acceptable. Let's make sure that the world knows about it so that you can't get away with it.
1: The, the the issue that I do have is just from what I looked up and from what I saw, the tweets were also very vague. Hmm. They were just saying things like, oh, he's, and again, this is just from what I saw in the tweets, but saying he's a psychopath or he's he's a jerk, but not saying any specifics of what it is that they're accusing him of doing.
0: But it was sexual harassment
1: they were accusing him of? Assault. Assault. But then other articles said harassment. And then I I just couldn't find a cohesive anything about it. So um, so although Netflix has signed for a sequel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Landis is not writing it. So it's unclear also whether he is not writing it because of this. Okay. Or if it's unrelated because he was unhappy with the final movie. People have suspected he wasn't. Um, although I don't think again he came out and said that he wasn't. Who knows? But he's not writing the second movie. David Ayer. The director will now also be writing the second movie. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So that's... They They don't have a an official date for that yet. But yeah, that's what I got on Bright. Awesome. So I have a little fact or fiction for you.
0: Okay. Let's do it.
1: Okay. Today, although there is a large amount of consumers who have Netflix, still more people pay for cable TV than pay for Netflix. Fact or fiction? Fact. Fiction. More people pay for Netflix than cable TV right now. Wow. Yep. And over half of Netflix users are international. Hmm. So we've got, a, we've got a streaming movement. <laughs> Fact or fiction question number two. Ooh. Bright is the first Netflix original movie that will have a sequel. Fact. Fact. The deal for the sequel was signed before the movie was even released. Wow, that's yep. crazy. Yep, so, which I'm excited about, again. Is maybe it, we'll have
0: more dragons.
1: Maybe we'll have dragons, yeah. Mother of dragons. Oh, <laughs> Welcome to We Look Shit Up, the podcast where we do really good impressions. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, uh, Okay. So, as we all know, the Bright soundtrack is pretty great. Number three. Here we go. Number three. As we all know, the Bright soundtrack is pretty awesome. Similar to his movie Suicide Squad, David Ayer sourced already written and recorded songs from artists to fill out his film soundtrack. Fact or fiction?
0: Fact. Fiction.
1: Fiction. 10 songs on the Bright soundtrack were original and written for the movie specifically, oh, wow. including Broken People, World Gone Mad, Danger, and Crown, which Crown is one of my favorites. On I love that. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there's Bright. There is Netflix.
0: To brighten your day.
1: To brighten your day. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. And if you <laughs> have watched it, let's go watch it again. Let's <laughs> do it. You know, that's Bright. Netflix highest budget original movie ever. Although it may not be the critics' idea of some sort of groundbreaking film, Mm -hmm. it is history, and that's really cool to me. It is. To be the highest budget film to this this point, to be made by Netflix, the first high-budget blockbuster-style movie to be released exclusively on Netflix... I just, I think that it represents a lot of really cool things and the way the industry is going and I am excited for all of the new original it content and I am excited that all of these things are just accessible on my, on my laptop. Yep. There you go. Support Netflix. <laughs> Brought to you by Rachel, who,
0: yeah. who Netflix likes Netflix. Netflix is not paying for any of this promotion.
1: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> okay. So let's take a break and then we'll come back with some fake facts. Welcome
0: back. Hi. Fake
1: facts. Ready? Fake fact o'clock, yes.
0: Fake fact. After Will Smith's character in Men in Black got kicked out of the Men in Black, Uh he joined the LAPD, and that's when Bright takes place.
1: Makes sense. (laughs) It works for me. (laughs) Uh, Fake fact. Joel Edgerton didn't wear any makeup for this movie. He actually is just part orc.
0: That's terrible.
1: No, I'm... (laughs) Okay. It's a fake <laughs> fact because it's not true. Gotcha. And ni- neither does it reflect an opinion of this Rachel, who thinks that Joel Edgerton looks great, nothing uh, like an and ogre. And did a great job. Oh, did a great job. And But I'm just saying, looks nothing like an ogre. There you go. Looks like an ogre with all of his like makeup or, on. Goodness gracious.
0: Ogre is Shrek.
1: <laughs> uh, which they talk about in this movie, so maybe that's where it came from. So... Just to be clear, Rachel does not think that Joel Edgerton looks either like an orc or an ogre. He looks like a perfectly good looking person, human man person, who um, had very skilled makeup artists make him look like an orc. This is a mess. And scene. (laughs) So uh, if you want to give us fake facts next time so I don't have to do that. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Please. Please email us at welookshitup at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, and if you enjoyed this as much as we did, please subscribe, rate, and review. You can also find us on social media at We Look Shit Up on pretty much every different platform you can think of.
1: We Look Shit Up. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, there we are.
0: Yeah, and all this info, find it in the show notes or the footnotes, and we will link you to our sources.
1: Mmm, that was nice. Thanks. Let's go make tacos.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. This is We Look Shit Up.
1: Thanks for coming by. Oh,